God, I'm a little buzzed right now. So I'll cut that part out. Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Bears and Brews podcast. I'm Pam and I'm obsessed with bears. I'm Salome and I'm obsessed with learning about bears. Awesome. I'm so glad to have you on the show. I'm very glad we decided to do this. Me too. Yeah, so just to give a little bit of background, um, I grew up in Alaska. I became obsessed with bears from as long as I can remember. Um, We spent our summers exploring Denali National Park, seeing all sorts of wildlife, really kind of becoming, well, basically obsessed with bears. And I moved down to the lower 48 to Utah for a while. And I discovered Yellowstone and everything about it. And I just recently moved up into the greater Yellowstone ecosystem about a year and a half ago. I thought you were going to say in Utah, and then you realized that there weren't enough bears in Utah. So then you had to get out of Utah. I mean, that's not... If there were grizzly bears in Utah, I would have stayed in Utah. What's the like ratio of like Mormons to bears that made you say no to Idaho, but no, no to Utah, but yes to Idaho, I guess. Oh, well, I don't know the actual ratio, but the fact that I can drive one hour and get to Yellowstone or one hour and get to the Tetons is, you know, priceless. Fantastic. That sounded sarcastic. I meant that seriously. (laughs) I'm here because I uh, threatened Pam. I threatened Pam. (laughs) And told her that if she didn't put me on her podcast, that I would, um, I don't even know, shave your head? No, you're going to do that anyway. You're way too kind of a person to actually threaten anyone. I am here to learn more about wildlife and, what did you call it, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem? That sounds so fancy. Great. And one of my favorite things is to teach people about wildlife. So I am working on getting my guiding license for Yellowstone and starting my own business. So um, I currently volunteer at a wildlife rehab center and I have an educational background in biology and wildlife conservation. And I am just completely enamored with bears and North American wildlife in general, but their impacts on humans and ecosystems and those wider kind of webs of how they impact so many different things that are important to not only other animals, but humans as well. So, so this podcast is not going to be entirely about bears. So not every episode will be about bears, but Every episode will have a bear fact of the day, and it will also have a brew of the day. So it's really important, real quick, to get the you know business side out of the way. We are not sponsored by any anyone, let alone a beer company, but because I love beer and I love talking about bears and animals, we are going to have a brew of the day. And a bear fact of the day, even if the animal of the day is not a bear. Does that sound good? That sounds fantastic. Can you sometimes have like a wine fact of the day or is that just like too too out there? A wine fact? 
I don't know. I was just trying to think of other kinds of. Well, you said it's not always about bears, so I just thought, you know, like why discriminate against other kinds of alcohol? Hold on. If we're drinking wine, then that's the brew of the day. But there's not a fact about it. Oh, my God. Right. Because. Okay, never mind. Sorry. I'm apparently not the one that's buzzed, but I'm acting like it. Okay. So what are you drinking today? So today for our very first episode, I am drinking. It's called Tropical Beer Hug. And it is by Goose Island, which is in Chicago, one of my favorite towns, mostly because that's where the Bears and the Cubs are based out of. Shocker. Uh, But it (laughs) is an IPA, which is my favorite kind of beer. And it is a very high percentage. And I have a very large can of it. (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. How much have you had so far before we started this episode? Uh, Of this one? Just about half. I may have had some before. Uh, You're in Utah still. And I am. We probably shouldn't advertise. No offense to Utah, but I'm okay if we don't mention that too. I am in Utah. I um, am stuck here because my leg is broken. And also because I live here. (laughs) But uh, mostly the leg. Yes. And <laughs> I broke my leg. And that is also why <laughs> mm-hmm. you are only drinking what tonight? What are you drinking? Coffee. I am drinking. Um, it's very fancy. It is powdered instant espresso with um, creamer that I got from the grocery store. Uh, coffee at 9.56 at night. That's wise. Look, I'm, I was going to say I'm not judging, but I am. I'm not judging. I'm just concerned. Like, you're going to be up until 4 o'clock in the morning. It's okay. I'm on medication. It's fine. It just it just evens out. Yeah. So another kind of businessy thing that I want to take care of is sources. A lot of the things that we are going to talk about are just in my brain. It's just stuff that I know from being kind of in this world and be and you know having a certain amount of formal education but also a lot of informal education as well so a lot of the information we're going to talk about is just stuff that i happen to know but anything that is externally sourced will be included in our show notes so i want to make sure that we're pretty transparent with that because obviously i don't know everything no you know even though i pretend that I do or you know come off like I do and if it's not mentioned it's just like source Pam's brain anything that we are getting that you know we're getting information from that that I had to look up or didn't know right off the top of my head those are the things that we're going to source in the show notes there's going to be very few episodes where uh, I have a main source of things I'm going to say it right now our coyotes episode there is one main source for that episode um, in terms of information as well as inspiration. So, but that being said, having, you know, having um, like a scientific type of education is very, is very drilled into you to be skeptical and to, you know, realize that science changes all the time. And you might be right one day and then some evidence comes out and then you have to change the way you're thinking. So there's, you know, 
just because something I knew a couple years ago was considered, you know, a known fact then doesn't mean it is now. And I'm completely open to those kind of discussions, new evidence, changing things. I mean, we're going to talk about that with pandas as well when we get to pandas. I love pandas. So are you ready for the bear fact of the day? Yes. Okay. So this bear fact of the day actually was inspired by you. And it is that the majority of bears' diets are only about 10% meat. Oh, yeah. I was completely shocked by this when we were chatting the other day. And I can't remember how it came up. But, you know, you just picture, like, bear with, like, a salmon or something, you know? Um, And I feel like they're just portrayed as very carnivorous. So even though most bears are considered omnivores, they are all in the order of carnivora. And so when we're talking about taxonomy, it's basically what humans, you know, up until very recently, what humans have decided makes these different species related. So if bears had the choice, they would eat meat the majority of the time. But most bears don't have that choice. So polar bears are really the only bear species that aren't omnivorous. Now, they will eat other stuff if it comes down to it, but the majority of a polar bear's diet is meat, whereas literally every other bear on the planet, the seven other species, it's only 10 to 15% of their diet that's actually meat. Wow. Meat or, you know, something from animal origins, right? Not necessarily just meat. So what else do they eat then? So they eat a ton of stuff. So some of their favorite things to eat, especially this time of year, is berries. There's actually a berry called a bear berry. Aw, that's adorable. (laughs) Is it... Is it good? Have you tried it? Or is it just like something mainly bears eat? I haven't tried it uh, just because I've never had the opportunity really to try it. Uh, They will eat different kind of grasses, roots and tubers, uh, bugs, insects. They love, uh, we'll get into it more when we have our brown bear episode, but in Yellowstone specifically, there's an area where there's a huge moth migration every year of army cutworm moths. And they will eat up to 40,000 of them a day. Wow. Yeah. And so the bears kind of follow where the food is. So there's a certain area of Yellowstone specifically that's considered the most remote area, the most remote part of the lower 48 because of its lack of proximity to any kind of roads, forest roads, fire roads, dwellings, structures, anything like that. It's the thoroughfare region of Yellowstone, and there's these mountainsides with just tons of loose shale and things like that, and the moths will kind of, uh, you know, rest in there under the rocks and stuff, and you'll, you'll just have this mountainside, just a congregation of bears, one of the only examples in the world of, you know, a bunch of bears congregating at one time for a food source. Wow, which is not what I expected it to be over moths. You know, like, if I was a bear, that's not maybe the most delicious thing that I would pick. But, you know, no judgment. Yeah, but they're 90% protein. And as we get into this this kind of season, 
they go into this thing called hyperphagia, which is they are trying to get as much calories as possible to get ready for hibernation. So, well, phagia, like P-H-A-G-I-A, I can't remember. But like they're eating yeah. a lot, basically. Yep. They so it's actually really it's actually really fucking cool because so you so mammals have a small hormone that turns on and gives feedback to the brain when we start to get full. But when bears are in hyperphagia, that turns off as well. So there's nothing that tells their body that they're full. So they will just eat and eat and eat and eat because it's literally the notification to their brain that they've eaten enough is not there. So like bear munchies, literal like extreme bear munchies without extreme the marijuana, bear munchies, but you have to think, you know, they're burning so much fat. I mean, you know, bears don't fully hibernate that is a myth about bears they're not in an actual official hibernation uh, it's more of a state a deep slumber a state of torpor where they are sleeping really deeply their heart rate decreases their breathing decreases um, they are not excreting any waste you know they're trying to get all of you know as fat as possible like if if you guys are not following Fat Bear Week in Katmai National Park, <laughs> what are you even doing? <laughs> it's a bracket style competition between the fat bear, well, a human competition for the fat bears at Katmai. <laughs> I mean, the bears might be following it too. You don't know. So that kind of, you know, catapults us into talking about the different species of bear in the world. So there's eight total species. And there's three in North America. So going off of, you know, we were just talking about grizzly bears and brown bears. They are technically the same species. Um, depending on what scientists you ask, grizzlies are a subspecies of the brown bear. And brown bears are found all over the Northern Hemisphere. So Alaska, Canada... Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Russia, oh, wow. uh, Spain, all the Scandinavia countries, Italy. They're even found in the Middle East, um, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan. There's even a subspecies called a Gobi bear, which is actually a desert bear in Mongolia. Literally a oh bear that gosh. lives in the Does desert. It, I mean, I, pic I, I don't know. I picture bears being like really heavily like furry and, you know, to up with cold conditions is this bear like a like a shaved bear like what should i be picturing <laughs> there's not like groomers out there shaving it oh that's too bad no so another thing with these thick coats is they actually also offer insulation right so we when we think mm -hmm. about these thick coats we're thinking oh insulation when it's 40 below and they're in their den or whatever but it's also insulation from the heat oh I hadn't thought yep. about that. So with our with our brown bears and grizzly bears, that's that's my complete obsession. And we're going to have, you know, episode two is going to just be on them. But they are the second largest bear. Uh, they're usually mm -hmm. around 300 and 900 pounds, but the largest known was about 1,600 pounds. Holy shit. 
Sorry. <laughs> Excuse my language. Um, that's gigantic. That's insane. No. In fact, I think we need, need to swear picture. more. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because you lived in Alaska for a while. Mm -hmm. The largest brown bears are actually in Alaska on Kodiak Island. I always wanted to see the bears on Kodiak Island. I swear I've seen videos. I remember flying over Kodiak Island and seeing them, something like that. But um, didn't you actually do it? tour and see them there in person or no actually i've never been to kodiak island so i have been uh on the peninsula on the kenai peninsula and did a bear viewing tour in the small area that's in between katmai and lake clark national parks mm -hmm. so i have fish from up under a pilot's chair right is that was that that trip <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not exactly what happened. But essentially, yeah, uh, it wasn't the pilot, it was the guide. But um, so yeah, and so I have seen, you know, been in very close proximity to those coastal brown bears. So essentially, brown bears are what is all over the northern hemisphere. And then grizzly bears are the subspecies that are more inland. And essentially aren't eating as much fish is really what it comes oh, really? down to so they're not they're near not as big up on the salmon and stuff like that i can't think of another kind of fish right now yeah and other types of fish <laughs> well that's mostly what they eat so you're good okay so real quick let's talk about polar bears because we talked about them a little bit ago being the only bear species that are not considered omnivores so they are actually the largest land carnivore in the world. And they are found in Canada, Alaska, Greenland, Russia, parts of Norway and the Scandinavian countries. The biggest one was about 1,700 pounds. Jeez. So the biggest, uh, what did we say for brown bear? The biggest was like 1,600? Yeah. So for some reason, I, I pictured polar bears as being even, like they're being an even bigger size difference between brown bears and polar bears. The averages are a lot bigger. These are just the biggest ever. So most brown bears, I mean, again, if we're talking brown or grizzly, you know, inland versus coastal, quite a big difference that they're usually between 300 and 900 pounds, whereas polar bears usually bottom out at about 600. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Much so, bigger. you know, the averages, yeah. Okay. Polar bears are a lot bigger and they're also the only bear that consistently stalks and hunts humans. Oh, polar bears are? So that's cool. Oh, geez. Yeah. I do remember hearing stories about that. Like when we lived in Anchorage, just every once in a while, you know, an incident where someone was being stalked by a polar bear or kind of aggressively approached. I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but... Well, in the, you know, the different villages and stuff way up around where they live on the North Slope, they have to be really careful. I actually have been up there. I've never seen a polar bear, but I have been to the northernmost city, city, the northernmost town in America, which used to be called Barrow, and they have changed it back to the indigenous name, which is Utkiavik. We fucking went in winter and to get from where we were staying to the little quote unquote grocery store, there's, they have like, you know, those big like climbing ropes from gym class. Yeah. 
not like climbing ropes to go climbing, but the ones from gym class that are like huge, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They have those in between the buildings because of these whiteout snowstorms because there's it's completely flat, right? There's no trees, there's no mountains, nothing like that. So it's all this wind off the Arctic Ocean and there's snow everywhere. And you literally grab onto these ropes to not pull yourself, but know where you're going. And you follow the rope to the grocery store or to the post office or whatever, oh, because wow. you literally just can't see. It's just a complete whiteout. Well, that's terrifying. Just a little bit. Yeah. And it <laughs> it was only like that one of the days we were there. Um, Why didn't you visit in the summer when it's like 90 degrees or whatever? There's like what a high of like 32. I did look it up once. My trip there was not the best. And there's just a lot of other places I have on my list first. If I am going to be just going looking for polar bears, there are other places I'm going to go, probably in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, where I'm going to be able to see those in a better environment for me. We just lost like 60 listeners <laughs> from Utkiavik. So we went there in the winter time for a basketball tournament and we definitely tried to see polar bears, but winter is their big hunting season. They don't hibernate. So they're out there on the sea ice trying to catch seals and things like that. So that's probably why we didn't see one. Yeah, the main reason why black and brown bears hibernate is because of lack of food sources, whereas polar bears, you know, they've got that sea ice to go out on. They've got food sources year round, so they don't need to hibernate. And that's why you'll see a lot of captive bears don't hibernate. Oh, I didn't know that. So captive being like those in zoos or... Um, I guess other facilities where they're not just out roaming about in the wild. Yeah. So like zoos or educational facilities like Montana Grizzly Encounter or the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center in, in um, West Yellowstone. Those don't hibernate because mm. they are, you know, given that food year round. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right. So the next one on the list is the North American black bear. And these are found throughout all of North America, from Florida up to Maine um, and, you know, Newfoundland and Canada, all the way over to Alaska and actually all the way down into like Arizona, New Mexico and, and Mexico, actually. Oh, wow. They're in almost every single state. And they have several different subspecies and color patterns. They can be super shiny black, uh, cinnamon, blonde. There's a certain kind in Canada called the Kermode bear or spirit bear. It's a white black bear. Um, it's not, it's not an albino. Oh, wow. It's just white. Yep. Just like a genetically, just every once in a while, there's like a spirit bear. How does that work? Yeah, there's actually quite a bit. So the reason why they're only found in this certain area is because they are segregated from other bear populations, um, mostly because of islands or different kind of mountain ranges, stuff like that, where they're not having, um, you know, they're not, they're not like crossbreeding with other populations from different areas. And so the white is just a 
you know, just genetic. And because they're all in this clustered area, passing those around, black bears are kind of like Labradors where they can, (laughs) you know, have different colors and be any color. You know, you can have a, a black lab mom that has like, a yellow lab and a chocolate lab puppy and things like mm. that. Um, genetics are insanely complex and it's kind of the same concept with these black bears. So you're going to have more of these spirit bears because more of that population is carrying those genes. But mm. in general, you know, there's a lot of cinnamon bears around where I'm at. Um, there's a lot of cinnamon bears in Utah as well. There's not as many cinnamon. Most of the most of the black bears on the East Coast and in the Southeast are just pure black. Um, but, you know, if they did transfer and be able to, you know, cross these territories and, and breed and mate, then you would see more of those other other coat colors. But, yeah, okay. they can kind of be any kind of coat color if the genes are in those DNA strands and that really depends on where they're at. Gotcha. And what is a cinnamon bear? Like not the candy cinnamon bear, but like, <laughs> like the color more for whatever it is. We'll dig a little deeper in, in the North American black bear episode, but they, they literally are the color of cinnamon. It's like a reddish Brown. <clears throat> the next one that we have is the Asiatic black bear. And these are found in different areas of Asia. Shocking, based on the name. But also the Middle (laughs) East. So Cambodia, China, Japan, India, Pakistan, Vietnam. You know, basically all around there. They are pretty small. They're only about 200 to 400 pounds. But they are arguably the most aggressive bear. Oh, okay. I take back my awe a little bit. (laughs) They're also called a Himalayan black bear and a moon bear because they have a little half moon marking on their chest. It's very cute. Okay. And then we have the sun bear, which is the smallest bear. And they're in Southeast Asia only. They're only 59 pounds to 150 pounds. So like a dog, dog size? Yeah. Teeny little bears. And then we have the Andean bear or the spectacle bear. So they have markings that look like they're wearing little glasses. Oh, uh, They're small too. They're only up to about 450 pounds uh, small. Oh my gosh. They look like old men or uh, badgers. Right? Yeah. Kinda- they, I feel like they should be wearing cardigans. Yes. <laughs> they have the glasses. With like a little pipe. Yeah. 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 So they're just in South America in the Andes Mountains. Wow. Spectacle bear. So cute. Yeah. And then we have sloth bears, which are found in like South Asia. So like India, Nepal, Bangladesh. And they are, they have a really messy coat. Like. Uh-huh. Is that why they're called sloth bears? They're yeah, like they're they're slow and they're very unkempt. <laughs> like they just no one gave them a comb or Yeah, they, they they're just a very unkempt bear. The most unkempt <laughs> bear. 
Is that actually why they're called sloth bears? That's so that's so rude. I mean, probably not because they're unkempt, but because they're, you know, they're just kind of slow and do their own thing. (laughs) But also the the unkemptness, apparently. Um, Okay, and then we have pandas. Okay, so I am old. Oh, I love pandas. When I was a kid, pandas were not... Fuck you. So (laughs) when I was a kid... Pandas were not considered bears because this is before genome sequencing, DNA, that kind of thing. Computers. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead so, you know, going back to taxonomy, it's based on a lot of different things, but because most of pandas' diet is bamboo well all of pandas diets is bamboo they don't have all these sharp like carnivorous teeth that's not their diet Mm -hmm. all this sort of stuff and so when i was a kid pandas were considered closer related to raccoons than any other bear Mm. but with genome sequencing with dna analysis uh it you know they are an actual bear but they're a great example of evolution and exactly just how versatile bears can be part of the problem is they're only found in a couple places in the wild and you know throughout our lifetimes we have seen the past like 20 years where they there have been major strides to try to increase wild panda populations and kind of undo some of the damage that humans have done so those are all eight bear species in the world. And, you know, most of what we're going to talk about is North American wildlife. And so there's a couple things that I want to talk about real quick in terms of the North American bears, which are black bears, polar bears, and brown bears. And there's a couple really interesting things about their different evolution. So black bears evolved about 5 million years ago in these really heavily forested areas of North America. And when you look at, you know, tips or different things to do in a bear encounter or different reactive bear behavior, a lot of times you'll see where black bears run off or they climb trees or you know, different things like that. And a lot of that is because of that evolution in these forested areas. So they've learned they can run away and get safe up different trees. They can send their cubs up trees while, you know, they take care of the threat, whatever the case is. Versus if you look at brown bears, uh, you know, they evolved about 800,000 years ago, but where they evolved was a lot of these open spaces, right? So think of like Siberia, those northern, like that northern band across Russia and northern Europe and things like that, where there's all these open spaces. That's kind of where they evolved. So they had to learn how to be a little bit more aggressive, a little showy. You know, if if you have a confrontation with a grizzly versus a black bear, it's, in, you know, there's a lot of things that are the same, but there's a lot of things that are different uh, in how you would react to that. And, you know, I would much rather come face to face with a black bear with cubs than a grizzly with cubs. For sure. 
So do they have like a common ancestor that they both evolved from or did one that, that's now extinct or did like brown bears evolve from black bears or something like that? Uh, no. So they did not evolve from each other. So when you, when we talk about common ancestors, I mean, we can go everything evolved from a common ancestor. Right. But in this case with the different kind of bears, there's some that evolved from each other, some that evolved from these common ancestors. So they all came from a common ancestor in the carnivora order. And that actually includes like raccoons and red pandas and stuff like that. So when I was talking earlier about Mm-hmm. Yeah, about like pandas and raccoons being related. They actually are like and dogs. Oh. They're they're not that far off. But when we're talking about the the bears of today that we know, mm-hmm. there is a cluster of them that evolved from the same common ancestor. Pandas are different. They're one of the oldest. Um, sloth bears are one of the oldest. And then all these other ones kind of branched off from those. So with brown bears and black bears yeah you know about five million years ago they did evolve from a common ancestor but after that they don't really have any relation now that being said uh, polar bears evolved from brown bears so I don't know if you've seen uh, news stories the past probably 10 or so years about how there's like these pizzlies or growler bears, they're calling them depending on the the sex. Basically, you know, and we're, I think we're going to see this a lot more as the earth gets warmer and warmer and polar bears are kind of pushed inland more and more, but polar bears and brown bears or grizzly bears, they can not only successfully mate and produce offspring, but the offspring that they produce are, are, are also fertile. It's different than a mule. So a mule is a donkey and a horse banging, right? But mules... <laughs> the technical term, banging. Yeah. But mules then can't reproduce on their own. They're sterile. So in this case, with polar and brown bears, their offspring are not sterile. Their offspring can mate. So, and the reason for that is polar bears evolved from grizzlies or brown bears not that long ago, like 20,000 to 50,000 years ago. Okay. So basically the amount of time that dogs started to get domesticated is when polar bears branched off from grizzlies or brown bears, sorry, during that last ice age. Oh, that's crazy. So when I, I think I first heard about those, um, like NPR did a segment on them uh, and I was just, my mind was blown. Um, But one of the things they went over, I think, was that um, the majority of like growlers or pizzlies I have to say I prefer growler to the pizzly, but, um, no, it's a growler, not growler. Oh, growler, Growler, not growler, a growler. You know what a growler is actually? Yes. It's very topical. It's basically like a glass jug that a brewery will put booze in or put beer in for you to take home. 
so okay. it is very topical. Okay, yeah. I think I've purchased like a a growler of kombucha before. So I think that's what I think actually when we went to Moab, I think we got a growler from the, the brewery, brewery, didn't we? And brought I it back to the so. Airbnb. That sounds right. Yeah, I think Yeah, we did. I mean that was quite a while ago, but I'm pretty sure we did. Anyway. That was amazing. Yeah, because they're finding them in Canada and Alaska and I would imagine Russia, if they gave a fuck and did anything about it, they would find <laughs> the same thing. They're too busy, you know, innovating places that don't need innovated. For the most part, what I want to focus on is North American wildlife, just because that is my area of expertise. And so, you know, we're going to talk about their life cycles, different threats to them, and something that, you know, listeners are going to realize pretty quickly is there is a very, very, very common threat to literally all of the different type of species we're going to talk about, and it's humans and it's climate change. Um, On this podcast, we support science and we support empirical data, and some of it is just impossible to deny at this point uh and you know if that isn't your jam this podcast probably isn't your jam either um you know we're gonna say some shit that might piss some people off uh but i will say anything that we are going to talk about and any of these strong opinions that we have are not just based on hearsay or, you know, one person in this field's opinion. It's based on things that we can point back to and say, you know, there's a reason for this. There's, you know, there's evidence for why mm-hmm. why we're saying this and why we're feeling that way. Sorry, I should have something better to say. <laughs> I completely agree. Absolutely. Um, we're not the flat earthers podcast no and to be quite Uh, honest i don't really give a fuck uh if if (laughs) you know if somebody is some kind of climate denier uh my whole thing this whole ever since i was a kid has been you know what you don't think it's human caused fine but but how is it a bad thing to clean up the air and the water? Like, how is that ever a bad thing, regardless of what you quote unquote believe is the cause of it? And in the words of the amazing Neil deGrasse Tyson, Mm -hmm. the great thing about science is it's true, whether you believe it or not. (laughs) I love that quote. Yeah. So, you know, that that is something as we talk about these different species we are going to talk about the threats to them and how people can get involved with things and a common theme is humans and you know is climate change and if that makes you uncomfortable i think good it should make us uncomfortable you know it it, Mm -hmm. what humans have done to this planet should make everybody uncomfortable absolutely not just the animals that it's seriously affecting also the well we're one of them yeah we are one of those animals you know that's true i mean you guys are awesome you have electric cars (laughs) so you can be like oh we got rid of our cars and got electric cars (laughs) so you can be on a high horse i guess 
if you want um, to be. I guess the main messages would be what like fuck climate change deniers and the city of Utkiavik. <laughs> um, fucking props on that pronunciation. Jesus. Did you do you have that up on your laptop or something no, right it now? Totally absolutely <laughs> Okay, so you know, we'll talk we'll talk more about the individual bear species and, you know, different cool shit about them, different threats, things like that. But I, th- I think it's, I think it's fair to say that a blanket threat of all bears, if not all wildlife on the planet is, you know, uh, human expansion and climate change. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, they're, yeah, absolutely. They're losing their habitats. They're losing their food sources um you know we're brushing up against them a lot more there's a lot more conflicts that kind of stuff and so i think overall as a blanket statement for the rest of this whole fucking podcast is we could say those two things i think so for sure okay so i want to know when maybe when you lived in alaska i know you have family in like montana and stuff too but have you Mm -hmm. what bears have you seen in the wild if any, and if so, what was one of your favorite experiences? So the only bears that I've seen in person um, were we went, uh, I'm trying to remember like the reason, for some reason we went like rafting or like boating on the Kenai River in Alaska. And there was like a little island that we camped at, I think overnight. Um, and uh, I melted my shoes at the campfire because <laughs> nice. I'm very outdoorsy and uh, <laughs> uh, great with stuff like that. But uh, I remember when we were on the island seeing some bears along like the edge of the river, um, which it's a big river and it was moving quickly. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, like, that's scary that there are bears there, but they're far away and there's like a river in between. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, they could have easily probably swum over to the island and, you know, interacted with us if they wanted to. Uh, so it's a little scary thinking back on it. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was really cool seeing them. It was, um, I don't know, just awe-inspiring. Yeah, I would say it was awe-inspiring. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the, you know, we are going to have an episode all about bear safety, but, or wildlife safety in general, but especially on the peninsula, there's those bears, you know, there's not a lot of competition for food sources. So when I did like when I did my bear tour between Lake Clark and Katmai National Parks, there was some people fishing and this sow brown bear and her three spring cubs uh, just came trotting along maybe 15 feet from their boat. And there's just so much food to go around and they don't really view people as a threat. Now, that being said, don't be a fucking dumbass, right? Like you still have to be safe and all that, right? But but in your situation, they were probably just like, oh, like they're just kind of irrelevant, I guess. Like if we were to see like robins in a tree, it's like, oh, they're just there doing their thing and, you know, we're not going to mess <laughs> with each other. Be- they see us as robins (laughs) i guess my point is they just don't see us as relevant in either (laughs) way 
I love that. <laughs> but they could. But here's the thing. They fucking could. So don't be a dumbass, right? Oh, and we'll sure. talk. Yeah. That's going to be, uh, you know, not another too many episodes away. Yeah. And I think another consistent theme of the podcast, just in general, don't be a dumbass, especially when it comes to wildlife. Oh, in general, absolutely. You know. <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't know about that story. That's That's really mm-hmm. awesome. I just... There's something I was talking with one of my friends that lives in Montana and she said, you know, when grizzlies are on the landscape, there's just, it, it affects man in a certain way. Right. And mm-hmm. it just makes us a little more human oh, when for sure. there are bears around. Um, what's, what's one of your most, I guess, memorable um, bear experiences or stories? It would be very hard to pick out one thing, but but one that I am going to talk about is there was a really famous bear in Yellowstone called Scarface. He was just this old boar, and boar is a, is a male bear, and he, he was older, I want to say like 21 or something like that. I could be totally wrong, but um, he had been in in a lot of scuffles and you know he had half his ear gone and like scars all over his face hence the name scarface and he was huge he was one of the biggest bears in the park just gigantic and we were driving out to lamar valley one night and it was like dusk and he just appeared in the road in front of us and i had never so one and only time i'd ever seen him he appeared in the road in front of us and just kind of stood there and and looked over at us and then walked along in the sagebrush and nobody else was around. So we pulled over and we got to watch him just walk all the way through the rolling hills and into the forest. And I just felt, you know, I'm pretty hardcore atheist, but I felt something so spiritual about that moment of him Mm -hmm. appearing for us and being able to just watch him. And, you know, he, he was dead, not even a year later by a hunter who claimed self-defense. We don't quite know, but, but being able to see Scarface and, you know, I've seen the majority of the famous grizzlies in this area. um, Mm -hmm. But, that encounter specifically nobody else around being able to just watch him do his thing at sunset and like just this old man bear going along his way like there was just something about that that will just never leave my my mind that's beautiful so sad that he's gone so a couple things uh, real quick before we end. Um, I want to give a huge, huge shout out to Christian Mills, who has done our music for this podcast. Uh, you can get in touch with us at bearsandbrewspodcast at gmail.com or every social media platform except X slash Twitter. Um, and it's just Bears and Bruce Podcast on basically all of those socials share your own bear experiences and thanks for joining us.